from luke at lukeconsidine.wordpress.org.uk to maggie.morrison at morrisonlitagency.co.uk Date, Tuesday 5th November 2013, 1552 Subject, New Book Dear Maggie, hope all's well. As requested, I'm attaching the opening pages of the story I've been working on down here in Brighton. Of course, I haven't got the money shot yet, but it's still very much a work in progress at this stage. But I'm days away from getting a confession from him. I can feel it. Once he's talked, we can decide how best to pitch this to publishers. In the meantime, I'm keen, nervous, (laughs) to hear what you think. All best, Luke. Attached Document, Grand, Chapter 1 Joss Grand is nothing to do with Brighton's most prestigious hotel, although when, occasionally, a connection is assumed, he does little to dispel the assumption. The Grand Hotel has long stood for much that Joss Grand values. It is genteel, respectable, civilised, world-renowned, its lacy Regency façade redolent of white gloves and parasols, afternoon tea and evening promenades. More recently, it has become associated with weddings, conferences and spa days. There are liveried porters on the door and a Steinway piano nestles amid the potted plants of the atrium. Behind the hotel, the city crawls uphill from the sea. These back streets are the ones that Grand and his partner in crime, Jackie Nye, ruled with free fists and promises of terror for the best part of a decade. In the early 60s, their firm was founded on illicit drinking and gambling dens, protectioneering and violence. The old man is in his ninth decade now. Straight since the 70s, he is wealthy beyond the conception of many. The king is in his counting house, counting out his money. Having built his domain on the sham reverence of other men's fear, he has devoted the rest of his life to buying the town's respect. But of course, Brighton never was respectable behind the frontages of its hotels, and neither was Joss Grand. Redemption Row was, like the streets that surrounded it, a mean terrace of flint-walled cottages that huddled back to back with their neighbours as though for warmth. Overcrowding was endemic, with two or three families occupying each house. Rods like flagpoles jutted from the fronts of its houses, but no flags were ever flown here. In the absence of backyards, there was nowhere else to hang the washing. Residents had little choice but to air their dirty linen, it could never quite be clean, in public. Little girls wheeled their baby siblings in hand-me-down prams that became bone shakers on the ancient cobbles, and boys played football in streets too narrow to let anything more than a thin ribbon of sunlight shine onto the ground. Ricketts was rife, and most children had at least one sibling who did not make it to their fifth birthday. Few pictures of the neighbourhood survive. Those that do are, of course, black and white but the impression given is that if they were somehow to be tinted with the colours of the day, the monochrome would be little relieved. It was into this slum city that Jocelyn Joss Grand and Jackie Nye were born a week apart in the summer of 1932, in neighbouring rooms on the top floor of a two-up, two-down in the centre of the terrace. Joss Grand's father was a herring smoker who, through ill health feigned or real, 
managed to avoid conscription when war broke out in 1939. Jackie Nye's unskilled itinerant father was shrewder still, having dodged the ultimate draft by abandoning Ethel Parsons long before her pregnancy began to show, bequeathing only his name to their son. He returned for a brief visit in September 1940, upon which occasion he spent five minutes with his son before taking Ethel to the Odeon on the London Road. The Luftwaffe dropped a bomb on the cinema halfway through the first picture. The couple were killed instantly. Howard and Isabel Grand took Jackie in and raised him as their own, which is to say they let him run wild with Joss. If the streets of Old Brighton were narrow, the alleyways that connected this warren of slum housing were narrower still. A twitten is the old Sussex word for the myriad passages, often the width of a man's shoulders, that were common before the town planners tore down the old cottage.